Welcome to another of our mini-podcasts from Cood Street. This is Gary Wolf, and today I'm delighted to spend 10 or more minutes with uh, World Fantasy Award winner and current World Fantasy Award nominee, C.S.E. Cooney. How are you today, Claire? I'm very well, actually. I was having a beautiful writing day before before our chat, and we'll probably go back to it afterwards. <laughs> I, I don't want to stop you from doing anything important, but uh, let me offer my congratulations because... Um, Desdemona on the Deep is up for best novella, isn't it? Yes, yes. There's been some confusion depending on who's doing the judging about if it's a novella or a novel, but it it hovers right near the novella category. I've always thought of it as a novella, so I'm very pleased that it is up for this award. Well, again, congratulations. The the, the, the definitions of novella and novel and novelette, uh, it's interesting in terms defining them in terms of word length seems to be something that only awards committees worry about. Um, I mean, I doubt really if Conrad thought the Heart of Darkness wasn't the proper word length to call it a novel. <laughs> well, I, I just figure that it feels like it's the size of the story, which is a very intuitive thing. Like, what does it accomplish? It's an intimate story. It's not sprawling and full of characters and subplots. It has these these few mechanisms in it doing this thing and that's what it's doing and it's the perfect size for that but yes but sometimes i just get a little wordy i don't know poetic uh elegant prose is not the same thing as wordiness i think wordiness (laughs) is what i see uh when uh, i'm reading a 500 page novel which in terms of what happens in it is really a novella oh that's interesting the like I've seen TV shows that are like that that or that you know there's two hours of content or you know perhaps miniseries for mm-hmm. what could be a half hour show. Well, and, and the opposite happens. Yeah, the, the the I I for one time at one point I was enormously relieved when the limited series became a thing on television because there's so many good novels uh, that couldn't be done in a two hour movie. I mean, the current example actually is Lovecraft Country. But oh, I haven't other, seen that yet. Is, are you enjoying that? I'm enjoying it very much. Uh, the first, it, it, it's a, it's an episodic novel. It's practically a novel in stories, and so it it lends itself to subsequent episodes with different central characters. And so I haven't seen the third episode, but the first two represent essentially the first chapter of the novel. Um, but what I started to say was, I really like that there is now an extended form that permits a novel to play out at novel length. The thing that bothers me is you have basically short stories that are stretched out for six or seven episodes. Yes. Some short stories have the content that can, the substance, so like a Ted Chang short story, can have a oh, substance yeah. that will support a movie length or, and inspire it. But but yeah, I like the new short form too that we're seeing a little bit on Netflix like Love, Death, and Robots, maybe, uh-huh. or Black Mirror, which is like watching short stories in about like an episodic, like 30-minute episode length thing, which I, I find fascinating because it's at, at least then you have the equivalent of a short story visually, which we didn't have much before, maybe the Twilight Zone in the early days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been in, I've been enjoying kind of the short the short form as a, as a visual format. And I'm excited about things like Serial Box, which is almost set up to tell these stories in novelette length episodes by that room of writers, which could so easily translate then into series. And they're doing some really beautiful work. 
That sounds fascinating. Speaking of, uh, well, speaking of various things that we might be reading or not reading, how are you, how's your reading holding up during the lockdown? Well, I'm actually, uh, I was talking to Sharon Shin about this, and we were both talking about rediscovering, the joy of rediscovering um reading. And in fact, I was stuck in Phoenix. I won't say stuck because I was with family, but I was unexpectedly in exile in Phoenix for uh-huh. almost three months with my husband, Carlos. And everybody was talking about like being alone and finally having time to read as they were trying to look on the bright side of this uh-huh. horrible pandemic. And I was I was just thinking, I was sitting there with a lot of people in one household thinking really longingly of all of the the books that were at home and the idea of being alone and reading, which was so very appealing to me that I didn't quite have access to. So I bought more books probably than I should have when I was in Phoenix. But currently, um, you know, I always, I seem to have two piles beside my bed, but Carlos and I are reading out loud um, Don Quixote by Cervantes, the translation by Edith the Grossman. And we are just laughing out loud every night. It's a really splendid, sparkling, very funny translation. And I've never read it. I, all I know is Man of La Mancha, the musical, uh-huh. which Carlos has a sort of prejudice against because he had a teacher once who was teaching the book, but it was obvious that she hadn't read the book. She'd only seen the musical, seen the musical. and was trying to pretend. And so he, he doesn't like the musical because of that. But I'm trying to introduce him to the love of the musical, which I had before and which is inspiring part of my fondness for the book. But he loves the book. So that's what's the out loud. And then uh-huh. we're reading for our writing group, we're reading the first big chunk of Ellen Kushner's new novel, and we're going to talk to her about that tomorrow. So that's oh, exciting. Great. And I just finished a huge Catherine Addison slash Sarah Monette binge because I didn't know who she was. And my editor at Rebellion asked me to read Catherine Addison's forthcoming Witness for the Dead. But she said, oh, it's a, sort of a sequel. You may want to read Goblin Emperor first. So I read them and then oh, I read... Wow. Angel of Crows. And then suddenly I was out of Catherine Addison books. And like an addict, I was complaining online, like, why are there only three? And Rich Horton was like, Claire, you know that Catherine Addison is Sarah Monette. And I I was like, really? And then I discovered the Doctrine of Labyrinths books. So I really just dove headfirst into them. And I've only just emerged. That was very pleasant. That sounds like a lot of fun. Do you yeah. have things that you fall back on? You were talking about missing the books that you didn't have when you were in uh, in Phoenix. What were you missing? Was there? Do you go back to like a surprising number of people that I've talked to on these have wanted to go back to classic mysteries or their favorite mysteries or uh, oh. even? So go ahead. Yeah, no, I've I've done. I mean, I've always been an avid rereader, um, and uh-huh. I do love mysteries. The ones I I listened, you know, Sherry Thomas is currently one of my favorite living authors because she's so versatile and has written in romance, in mystery, in YA fantasy, and mm-hmm. currently her Lady Sherlock series is just, you know, kicking my butt because I love it so much. And the the latest one was a heist novel, and it was so perfect like everything in its place every emotion every character the plot it was like clockwork and I've never read a heist novel that excited me so much (laughs) where I could see everything and the women characters and the and there was like oh it was just delicious so that there's a new Lady Sherlock book coming out soon which means that I will be rereading them all yet again of course to catch up again 
but what happened in Phoenix was that Martha Wells book had come out. So I read it and then that was not enough. So I read it aloud to Carlos and my mom and then uh. that was not enough. So then I listened to it on audiobook, which I'd been avoiding listening to the audiobook because I knew that it would be a male narrator. And until that point, Murderbot could sort of be either or neither both, you know, because Murderbot is not human and does not have genitalia. Mm-hmm. Right. And that choice of a male narrator was just, you know, just a little annoying to me. But he's so good. And then because he was that good, I had to listen to all the murder bots again. <laughs> and then I was lonely for murder bots. So I listened to all of Anne Leckie's Imperial Ratch series, which I'd read the first two, but never the third. And that was very exciting to actually finally know how the story ended up. And um, so that was a beautiful audiobook experience as well. I could take it you're a serious audiobook listener. Um, yeah, I'm an audiobook narrator, or I was before the pandemic. I, I'm uh-huh. one of the many jobless actors of the world right now. Many <laughs> audiobook narrators have a home studio, which I do not. I used to take a train for three hours <laughs> into Connecticut, go to the okay. studio, stay at a and b come back. Did that about t- twice a month, usually on average, sometimes more, sometimes less. And um, and b- but even before that, I loved audiobooks. But now I feel like I was sort of thinking it was a long commute anyway. I was maybe going to back off a little, concentrate on my writing. And then I just had to. Uh, I was sort of forced to. So I'm trying to just remind myself that I was going to do this anyway and not feel the great loss, which I I do. I feel I miss doing that work because I I loved doing that work. I can can understand that. But you mentioned getting back to your own writing. What have you got uh, that we can be watching out for in the next several months, next year even? Oh, I'm so excited. So, so this year during the pandemic, um, my agent managed to sell my novel, which I have been writing and rewriting for almost a decade now. Thank you. It's very exciting. It's my first like novel novel, not my first accidental novel, Mm -hmm. word count wise. And he sold it to Rebellion and, um, and I have been working on edits for that. It's out in 2022, so I have a lot of time. But I'm, I always think I'm faster than I am, so I've been trying to really concentrate and get that done. But in the middle of my uh, first foray where I was like, oh, I'm so in. I'm doing the edits. This is great. And then we had an opportunity. Carlos and I were both hired to write a screenplay. So then we sort of put our fiction to the side and and we're writing a screenplay. Um And once this is done, I have the two novellas that I wrote last year. I had sort of taken a little break from writing. I was trying to remember kind of what it was to feel joyful about writing again, (laughs) rather than this endless series of revisions, which for a little while, both my novel, Saint Death's Daughter, I was revising it for my agent to send out. At the same time, Desdemona was getting revised. So I had two years of like intense, intense revisions with nothing new. I was a bit burnt out. So then I, I had these two great novella ideas after just resting for a while. And I wrote them, one of them hand wrote, you know, which I hadn't done in years. So I'm very eager because that's kind of like the newest, brightest thing in my mind to go back to them. But until I complete the tasks at hand, which is the novel and the third draft of the screenplay, when that comes in, sort of, they're they're just waiting for me. Do we have a title of the novel or are you still negotiating that? Oh, uh, yeah, I had a title and they didn't, they liked it. It was called, at the time, Miscellaneous Stones, Necromancer. Um, huh. But they said that that until you knew that the protagonist's name was Miscellaneous or Laney, it didn't make sense. And I bought that, but I'd already sort of 
just in case I had in mind Saint Death's daughter and Mm -hmm. they all loved it immediately, grabbed onto it. And, and they have even made a cover that has not been revealed to the public yet. And I cannot wait to show everybody. So that's Saint Death's daughter. And then the two novellas that I'm going to be working on next are, I will make a ruin of myself is one. And the other is called fiddle. 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 As in playing the fiddle. (laughs) Sort of. Um, it's more like a brown recluse has a fiddle on its back, okay, which is okay. why it's called a fiddleback spider. And it, so if so, Desdemona takes place in, say, like the equivalent of our 1910-ish uh, yeah. in a different world. And if you imagine that 75 years later, like in the equivalent of that world's <laughs> mid-80s, for example, so there's space travel and rock and roll and Walkmans, huh. then imagine a... a a goblin with the attributes of a brown recluse spider. It's very shy, bites you if you touch her, touches necrotic, but she's also sort of like a kind of the equivalent of a programmer and uh, and a in, highly introverted. Um, so that's that's Fiddle. That's her nickname, and and it's, the story is her story. So that sounds great. It's um, so it's it's the same general timeline as uh, Desdemona. It's the same world. It's just 75 years later. It, it's a very, it's a, I have to say it's a very striking world. There aren't very many poetically written fantasies about predatory capitalism out there. <laughs> I was uh, I was in a mood, I suppose. You know, everybody was, I think, in 2016. So. Is there anything just in the last couple of minutes? Is there anything you can tell us about the screenplay you and Carlos are working on? It's um, it's science fiction. What what the director, producer, co-creator who hired us to write uh, write it describes it as a science fiction kitchen sink drama. It's a very intimate story between a man and wife. And it is I can't tell much about it, but I can tell you that it has a sci fi idea at the core that he wanted a husband wife writer team working on it. And it has to do with. Oh, I don't want to. I don't. I think I can't. I can't even okay. give away the novum. But yeah, it's it's super okay. fun. Don't give anything away because it'll 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 spoil the suspense. And we're over time anyway, as I knew we would be. <laughs> but well, it's any, called reentry. That's I oh, can say re-entry, that much. So we do have something for that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, this has been the Cood Street Podcast talking. Um, Gary Wolf have been talking with uh, CSE Cooney, and thank you so much for joining us, Claire. It was my pleasure, Gary. Thank you for inviting me.